I'm Mary Van Horn with Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today all loaded up and ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today... This is Career Week for Texas FFA members. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Will agriculture be a major issue in the presidential race? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you the thoughts of a Texas High Plains Ag lobbyist. The economic impact of the sale of real Texas Christmas trees to the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have some economic numbers straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Annual ryegrass is a cool season annual forage often utilized by livestock producers for winter grazing. However, it's often deemed an enemy of many a hay producer in East Texas. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This is Career Week for FFA members across Texas. It's a week dedicated to educating students about all the potential careers in agriculture. Jennifer Jackson is the executive director of the Texas FFA Association. Career Week is an effort for us to put information regarding the the vast variety of careers in agricultural industry in front of students. Um, the, the coolest thing about this is uh, we know that our teachers' plates are full, and so uh, we sat down and we're very intentional about planning three weeks' worth of lessons to, to hopefully alleviate some of the work off of the teachers, but still introduce students to some really cool career opportunities for the future. Jackson says they're also using resources outside the classroom to promote agricultural careers. We are putting tons of information out on social media. And so um, when when you think about careers in agriculture, a lot of times students tend to think about farmers. Uh, they think about veterinarians. They think about welders. But we wanted to go the extra step and make sure that they understand that there are so many more jobs and that not every career path looks the same. And so what we've created is a website that has virtual tours, uh, virtual guest speakers, and all sorts of resources to help students prepare to enter the workforce. And so there's assignments related to resume development, preparations for uh, professional interviews, and the creation of um, a LinkedIn professional profile so they can start um, uh, building up their resume and, and making sure that they understand what steps they can take in high school to prepare to enter the workforce. 
Jennifer Jackson with the Texas FFA. Texas Commissioner of Agriculture Sid Miller is joining with ag commissioners from Oklahoma, Nebraska, Wyoming, and Ohio in opposing beef imports from Paraguay. USDA made the decision to allow the imports earlier this year. The commissioners say that decision is too risky because of Paraguay's history of foot and mouth disease. And that history is why beef imports from that country have been banned until now. Miller says Texas leads the nation in cattle and is a major player in agricultural trade, but Paraguay's poor track record of managing outbreaks of foot and mouth disease endangers American ranching. He says USDA willingly risks Texas ranchers by relying on outdated information to justify opening the market. The last visits USDA conducted to Paraguay were in December of 2008, and July of 2014. Will agriculture be a major issue in the presidential race? James Hunt visits with a Texas agricultural lobbyist for an answer. In yesterday's report, agriculture lobbyist Tom Sell of Lubbock described the challenges of trying to get a new farm bill written in what is a politically charged environment in Congress. On a related note, I asked Tom Sell how much attention the farm bill and ag policy in general might get during the presidential race next year. Here's what he had to say. It's not the number one issue. If you watch any of the major networks any night, there's not a big concern for ag culture. Really, think we're grateful for that. We never want ag to be a front and center issue because we want people to have a safe, stable, affordable food supply. And that's certainly the case. We've had a bit of inflation, but man, when you look at this economy, ag is an absolute hero. The work that farm families across this nation are doing is incredible, but it does make the American public just kind of take it for granted. So it doesn't become a center political issue. Even in the Iowa caucuses in the Republican Party right now, where Iowa is still the first kind of caucus out of the gate, ag policy just isn't that big of a deal. Now, the ag economy is changing a little bit. Prices for commodities are coming down while the input costs remain sticky and high. So the profitability of farms across the nation is on the decline. It's a cyclical business and everyone's accustomed to that, but it certainly makes the relevance of farm policy on any individual farm kind of micro enterprise a lot more important. And so it may bear out that more attention and more focus is going to be given on uh, on ag policy, particularly as farmers are in front of their bankers lining up financing over the winter. It could become a much more prominent issue, and, and that's where we would want to harness any kind of enthusiasm or, or momentum that's out there to get this thing done. Once again, that was Tom Sell of Combest Sell and Associates. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Real Texas Christmas trees boost the economy. Tom Nicoletti has the story. More than 4 million real Christmas trees are sold annually in Texas, supporting farms and agriculture businesses throughout the state. Texas A&M Forest Service encourages purchasing real Christmas trees to help boost the state's economy. We go to College Station where Dr. Aaron Stottlemyre is standing by. He is Texas A&M Forest Service's Forest Analytics Department head. And Dr. Stottlemyre, give us some numbers about how uh, much of an economic impact live Christmas trees help the economy here in the state. Christmas trees are an important and a growing sector 
in this state. We just recently finished a study looking at Christmas tree economic impact, and I can tell you probably 150 or so choose and cut Christmas tree farms we have across the state are contributing over $700 million in industry output to this state. The Christmas tree industry supports nearly 6,000 jobs with a payroll of over $200 million and about $400 million in value added. So the Christmas tree industry is an incredibly important industry in the state of Texas. Now, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, estimates uh, for 2022 ranked Texas Christmas tree uh, industry second in the U.S. uh, South based on average annual employment and wages. So that's a pretty uh, high level there. It is. And nationally, we, we rank fourth behind California, Florida, and Oregon. Live Christmas trees are, are important to the Texas families. I will have more with Dr. Aaron Stoudemire of the Texas A&M Forest Service on our next program to discuss the environmental benefits of live Christmas trees. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Ryegrass is often used for winter grazing in East Texas. But forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says it's also a problem for spring hay meadows. Volunteer annual ryegrass can be common in hay meadows. Winter rainfalls can promote seed germination and seeds can survive for multiple years in our soils. Later maturity of annual ryegrass can delay or prevent our warm season perennial forages from breaking dormancy in April or May, therefore delaying our initial hay cutting. So how do we manage this unwanted ryegrass? Here are several options. First, we can graze it. If your hay meadow happens to be fenced as well as have a source of water, grazing can be an excellent way to utilize the high quality forage as well as remove it from the meadow. Second option is to bale it. Harvesting ryegrass for baleage or a dry hay is an option. Baleage or haylage is forage that is baled at 50 to 60% moisture. It is then preserved in an airtight plastic wrap. Harvesting for a dry hay product can be tricky during years we have ample spring rainfall. Our third option is to spray it. The use of herbicides to control annual ryegrass is probably the most common method practiced. As with any herbicide application, timing is critical along with following label directions. Ideally, for control, ryegrass needs to be sprayed when plants are less than 6 inches in height in the fall. Annual ryegrass is generally susceptible to post-emergent herbicides in early winter prior to freezing temperatures and before seed head emergence. Unfortunately for Bahia grass growers, there are no selective herbicides available for post-emergent control of annual ryegrass. For rates and any restrictions, always refer to product labels. Our final option is to out-compete it. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass or Bahia grass civil height could provide some shade that could reduce ryegrass seed germination. This may not provide 100% control, however, competition can help to reduce undesired plant growth. Maintaining a higher civil height can also be beneficial for the warm season perennial future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Changes are coming to the federal duck stamp. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And EPM is common in Texas horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. EPM is common in Texas horses. Dr. Bob Judd says a new approach may be effective in managing the disease. EPM is a disease that affects the nervous system of horses and it is caused by a protozoal organism transmitted in the feces of opossums. The disease causes very vague clinical signs and can cause symptoms such as poor performance to paralysis to a behavior change. The disease is also difficult to diagnose and is likely the most overdiagnosed equine disease as the test results, even if positive, are difficult to interpret as most of the tests only indicate exposure of the parasite and not actual infection. Treatment of the disease is expensive and involves using either protozoal pellets or marquee paste for at least 30 days or a product called Rebalance for four months. Previously, there has not been a method to prevent EPM, but researchers at the University of California at Davis completed a study confirming that once-weekly administration of protozoal or diclazoril pellets could be useful in certain situations at preventing the disease. The study was published in the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science, and the researchers administered the labeled dosage to eight healthy horses once a week for five weeks. Blood was collected immediately before and 10 hours after the administration of the drug, and then every 24 hours. Results indicated that the horses maintained a drug concentration in the blood after just the second week high enough to at least inhibit the organism in the lab. Further studies are needed to determine if the weekly administration of the drug will be effective in preventing the disease in horses that live or travel to areas common for this disease. If so, treating horses once a week that are in areas that EPM commonly occurs could be a great option. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Changes are coming to the federal duck stamp. Jessica Domel takes a look at those changes in today's wildlife report. The U.S. House of Representatives has passed a bill that will allow waterfowl hunters and conservationists nationwide to purchase their federal duck stamps online. According to Ducks Unlimited, the Duck Stamp Modernization Act builds upon a successful 28th state pilot program that validated electronic duck stamps for 45 days before a hunter would need a physical stamp. The legislation passed through the Senate in July and is now headed to President Biden's desk. Passage of the bill makes the federal duck stamp electronically accessible to waterfowl hunters for the entire season and the spring snow goose conservation order. It removes a requirement to possess a physical copy of the stamp when hunting. Hunters and collectors can still purchase physical duck stamps if they'd like at post offices and authorized retailers. Hunters who would like a digital version for the season and a physical copy to collect are in luck. Ducks Unlimited reports that after duck season ends, physical copies of the duck stamp will be mailed to anyone who buys an electronic duck stamp. Federal duck stamps are required for waterfowl hunters 16 years and older, but can also be purchased to support wildlife conservation. 
Federal duck stamps are also a free pass into any national wildlife refuge that charges an entry fee. Federal duck stamps are $25. 98 cents of every dollar spent on a duck stamp goes to the Migratory Bird Conservation Fund. According to Ducks Unlimited, the fund is used to purchase or lease wetlands and wildlife habitat for the National Wildlife Refuge System, which is critical to the health of migratory bird populations, offering a stopover point for migrating birds to rest and eat. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Thursday was an up day for cattle futures, both live and feeder cattle moving higher. December live cattle up 55 cents, closing at 167.50. The February up 70, 167.92. April up 62 cents at 171.57. Feeder cattle seeing triple-digit gains. January feeders up $1.97, $219.35. March up $227 at $220.12. Month April feeders up $250, closing at $224.32. Cash-fed cattle still slow for the week. We've seen some sales in the northern plains at $168 live, $268 to $270 dressed. Here in the south... Feedlots passing on 168 bids, holding out for 170 or better. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice down 63 cents, 291.01. Select up eight at 259.29. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus. Doug, how did Wednesday sale go? Lighter run had 875 head, but a good sale. Uh, so I got got a little unexpected rain yesterday. Well, actually, good. good. Walk the pins with us. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows, standard lower yielding cows 52 to 67, medium flesh cows 72 to 80. Better high yielding cows 83 to 107. Lower yielding bulls 90 to 108. Medium uh, better high yielding bulls 110 to 121. The calf market looked a little bit softer yesterday. Uh, it's still a dang good market, but it, it was definitely a little bit softer. Two to three weight steers 225 to 307. Heifers 215 to 289. Three to four weight steers 220 to 315. Heifers 210 to three dollars. Four to five weight steers 215 to 292. Heifers 190 to 277. 
five to six weight steers, two bucks to two seventy seven. Heifers one eighty five to two twenty two. Six to seven weight steers, one eighty five to two thirty. Heifers one eighty to two twelve. Seven to eight weight steers, one seventy four to two twelve. Heifers one seventy to two bucks. And your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers, steers and bull units being one forty five to one eighty. Heifers one thirty to one sixty. So you had a good sale. What was the count? Eight seventy five. Now, uh, what is our holiday schedule for Cattlemen's Columbus? We will have two weeks off and come back January 3rd. So uh, we will not have a sale next week or the following week. Now, Doug, you've got a big special coming up on the 29th, correct? Yes, sir, we do, Mr. Larry. December 29th, we'll start there at 12 o'clock. We're going to have somewhere around 800, 900 females and probably somewhere around 70 to 80 head of bulls. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454 or at the office, 979-732-2622. Neighbor, looks to me like that's all the time we've got for this edition of Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Cattleman's Columbus, Doug Bass. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs were mixed on Thursday. The nearby December contract down 75 cents, 67.17. February hogs up 3.75 at 70.47. Class three milk slightly lower. December milk down two at 16.19 a hundred weight. January milk down 15. Same price, 16.19 a hundred. Cotton market finishing slightly lower. Thursday morning's USDA export sales report didn't look all that great for cotton. Also seeing some producers selling in the market, so that's pressuring prices just a bit. March cotton down 37 points at 80, 81. May cotton down 29, 81, 49. With July cotton down 22 points at 81.94 cents. Not much movement in the corn market Thursday. We finished with March corn down a quarter penny. 479 and a quarter with May corn down a half, 492 a bushel. We did see an upward move in the wheat complex, both hard and soft wheat, seeing slight gains on Thursday. March Kansas City wheat up four and a half, 636 and a half. March Chicago wheat up 10 and a half at 615 and three quarters. In the energy markets, January natural gas was up eight cents, 241. January West Texas crude up 221. 71.68 a barrel. The financial markets higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 118 points, 37,208. The Nasdaq up 12 at 14,746. The S&P up 8 at 4,715. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.